So we had three or four days together, and it was really nice, and, and uh, they send their love. So we were so glad to see them. But we're glad to be with you today. And this week and next week, I'm going to be doing what I call one-off messages. And these are in-between series messages. Of just it's, it's a one-time deal where we come in, and I feel like it's something that God is talking to me about for our church that's very important on his heart. And so for those of you that are here today, this is something God wants you to hear. And here's the thing. I don't believe that any of us are here today by accident. I believe if you're here today, it's because God wanted you to be here and he wants to speak to you. So what I want you to do is go ahead and make a decision now that you're going to open up your heart, open up your ears, and listen to what God has to say to you. Amen? Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. Today. I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth. Absolutely changing my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I try to mix it up every once in a while so y'all don't get all, you know, religious on me, right? We've got to keep this real because God wants to speak to us. We're going to be talking today a message I've called, I've titled, Invested. And uh, I think it's very interesting, the timing of this. Last week, I had an opportunity to meet a family friend, and uh, he, he's just been a friend of our families for a few years, and he is the president and CEO of an of a old company in Texas, and we were talking about church. And he was telling me about one of the things that he loves his church, but he's frustrated a little bit because he feels like when they come, they learn a lot of great Bible, but they don't learn a lot of great application. And as I was listening to him talk, and really I was helping wa- him walk through that, As I was listening to him, I made a mental note to myself. I don't ever want to be that kind of church. I want you guys to come in here and hear the truths of the Bible. But when you hit that door on your way out, I want you to get something out of it that helps you in your life. I don't want to just come in here and have great music, which we do, or have a cool building, which we do, or cool media, which we do, or have an amazingly beautiful, awesome, handsome, smart pastor, which you do. Thank you, mom. Thank you. Um, but, but I want you, here's the deal. If you guys walk out of here and that's all you've got, you guys, I'm from Texas, y'all. If y'all walk out of here and that's all you've got, then I failed. The goal of church, the reason we come together is so that I can encourage you, that I can equip you, that I can inspire you, and sometimes correct you. But the most important of all those things to me is the equipping part. A pastor's job, our job, is to equip the saints, which is you, for the work of the gospel, which is out there. And so when you leave this place, I want you to walk away encouraged, absolutely. I hope you laugh, have a good time, and you're inspired. But I want you to walk out of here equipped, ready to take on what's out there. Because here's the truth. There's a world outside those doors that's, that's dying, And the hope of the world is the gospel. And it's the gospel that Jesus has placed in you. And you are a carrier of that gospel. And God expects us to go out there and share his love in practical ways. That's what he expects us to do. And that's what today's message is really about. How God is invested in us. And if you look at Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25, Jesus is talking about when he dies and he goes away, he's going to be coming back. 
And so he gives a number of parables, which are stories, illustrations, to help people understand one of these days he's coming back. And I will encourage you this week, go and read the Gospel of Matthew, read 24 and 25, and you'll see the different parables. But one of the parables that I'm going to teach on today is right kind of in the middle of all those, and it's called the parable of the talents. It's called the parable of the talents. And it talks about how God, this master, has invested in his servants And then he expects something from them. And we're going to talk about that today. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It'll be on the screen also, or you guys have handouts. Okay, here's what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is going to another place for a what? Visit. Now, here's the deal on a visit or a vacation. You may go there for a while, but what is the expectation? You're going to go back home. And Jesus says this way, think about this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going for a visit. Jesus is saying, look, and remember he's talking about him coming back. I'm going to go away for a while, but then I'm going to come back. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, he said. Before he left, he called his servants and told them to care of, take care of his things while he was gone. He gave one servant five bags of gold another servant, two bags of gold, and a third servant, one bag of gold. And notice this next statement, to each one as much as he could handle. Now listen, before you, I, I want you to remember Jesus is speaking in a parable, and he's speaking in a way that the people will understand. The whole idea when I give illustrations for you guys is to paint a picture of something, a biblical truth, so that you can understand it and apply it. And that's what Jesus is doing here. So I don't want you to get caught up in the fact that he's using money as an example. He's using money as an illustration so people will understand. Do you get that? So, and I will apply this here in a minute, but I don't want you to get caught up in that it's just about money. It's really whatever he's given you. Okay? It's really whatever he has invested in you. Then he left. The servant who got five bags went quickly to invest the money and earned five more bags. He doubled the investment. In the same way, the servant who had two bags invested them and earned two more. He also doubled his investment. But the servant who got one bag went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money, took the investment, and went and dug a hole and put it in the ground, okay? Then the servant who had been given two bags of, I'm sorry, after a long time, the master came home. Remember, Jesus is talking about when he returns. The master came home and asked the servants what they did with whose money? His money. He said, what did you do with the investment that I gave you? The servant who was given five bags of gold brought five more bags to the master and said, Master, you trusted me to care for five bags of gold, so I used your five bags to earn five more. The master answered, You did what? Well, you are a good and loyal servant. Now listen to this statement. Because you were loyal with small things, I will let you care for much greater things. And then he says this statement, which is really powerful. Come and share my joy with me. Come and share my joy with me. Then the servant who had been given two bags of gold came to the master, and the master said, Master, you gave me two bags of gold to care for, so I used your two bags to earn two more. He also doubled his investment. The master answered, you did well. You are a good and loyal servant, and because you were loyal with small things... 
I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. Same response. Then the servant who had been given one bag of gold came to the master and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. You harvest things you did not plant. You gather crops where you did not sow any seed. So I was what? Afraid. And I went and hid your money in the ground. Here is your bag of gold. The master answered. Now listen to this comment. You wicked and lazy servant. You say you know that I harvest things I did not plant and that I gather crops where I did not sow any seed. So you should have put my gold in the bank. Then when I came home, I would have received my gold back with interest. And today's message is brought to you by our local community bankers. (laughs) Verse 28. So the master told his servants, take the bag of gold from that servant who had one and give it to the one who had 10. It's a powerful statement. And, and here's why. When I think of Jesus, in my mind a lot of times, I, I think of Jesus as this loving, caring, soft, compassionate person. And he absolutely is that. But when I read this, I understand and I see Jesus in the light of the fact that he is saying, look, I have invested a lot in you. And because I have invested a lot in you, I expect you to do something with the investment that I have given you. And think about this. He said, look, I'm investing in this. Let's put it in practical terms. I'm investing in your life. What does that mean? That means your gifts. That means your talent. That means your time. That means your resources, your financial resources. Everything that I've given you is a gift from me. And I'm leaving. But guess what? I'm also coming back. And there's going to be an accounting for what you've done with what I have given you. That rocks me to the core. Because a lot of times I don't think about that kind of thing. I don't think about it. And yet Jesus is sitting here talking and he's making very clear, very sure that we understand that everything we have with him is a gift. Look, look at your notes. Jesus wants us to understand two main points here. The first thing is he is investing great value in us. The second thing he wants us to understand is he is coming back to see what we have done with what he has given us. There will be an accounting. But here's the big question. Do you see yourself as a steward of what God has given you, or do you see yourself as an owner of what God has given you? Because the way you see these two things is going to determine how you react to what God has given you. If you feel like what God has given you is a gift and you can do whatever you want to with it, that's one way to live. But what Jesus is showing us is that's not the truth. The truth is you are a steward. Now listen, here's what a steward does. A steward lives for the day that he will return the master's goods to him and show him how he has managed them. An owner believes that his possessions are his to spend in any way that he sees fit. And here's the truth. We are stewards. We are stewards. Every one of us has been given certain gifts, as the Bible said, Jesus said, according to what we can handle, God has given us that. Your talent, all your abilities, your mind, your body, whatever it is that God has given you is a gift from God. And every one of us is different. And here's something you need to just understand right now. No two of us are the same. 
God has given to each one of us according to what he wants us to have. And that's the way he distributes these things. It's not a mat. Listen, listen in your notes. Write this down. It's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. Man, that's good. It's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. The servant that got five things turned around and doubled it and made ten. The one that got one took the one that he had and buried it in the ground and did nothing. So it wasn't the amount. That's what you need to understand, Dennis. That's what we need to understand. It's not the amount. It's what have you done. Because here's what we get into. We compare ourselves with each other. Well, if, if I could sing like Wes, or if I had cool hair like Clint, or, or you know, we, 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 we always, we make, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm throwing, that's for you, bro. I'm throwing that out there. But, but don't we? Well, if I had this, let me put it away. Maybe you understand. Well, maybe if I came from that family, or let me put it to you this way, or if I had that job, or if I was the manager, or, but look at what Jesus said. Jesus said it this way. He said, I gave you this gift. I gave you these gifts what did you do with it? And if you invest your gift wisely, Jesus says, good job. Now, I can trust you with this. Now I'm going to give you this. But that's the way God works. He's not going to just give you everything because here, let me just tell you something, pumpkin. You can't handle it. You can't. So what does he do? Let me, let me back up. Babies are not born full grown. They're born babies. Right? That was something one of the women said, thank God. <laughs> Here's the deal. Babies are born and then they mature. And as they mature, they are able to do more things. But it is a maturity process. That's the way the kingdom of God works. God says, look, I'm going to entrust you with this. And once you sow yourself faithful with this, then you can move to this. Because here's the deal. If he gives you too much too soon, you're going to blow it. I am preaching better than you are amen. And come on. Do, do you understand? That's what the, this is what Jesus is talking about here. There's so much truth wrapped up in this. And he said, look, if you'll be faithful in this, then I can trust you with this. But you've got to be faithful here first. You've got to be faithful first. And you can't bury what I've given you. You can't. So what does that mean? Let me, I want to put this to you very practically. I am a steward of everything that God has given me, my life, my body, my mind, my wife, my kids, my possessions. Everything that God has given me is a gift from him. The Bible is clear about this. Everything we have is a gift from God. He has blessed me with these things, but then he expects me to steward them well. What does that mean practically? Am I treating Trisha in the way that she deserves? Am I loving her as she deserves to be loved? Am I raising my kids in a godly way? And I put this in my notes. Still, just because most of them are out of the house now, listen, some of y'all have this idea. Some of you that have little ones have this idea. I can't wait till they graduate high school. Can I tell you something? Nothing changes. <laughs> We were, we were at my parents' last week, and 
we walked back in the house because the boys and I had been out shooting and acting crazy and having a good time. And we walked back in, and my mom, now remember, my, parent, my mom's 75 years old. I'm 53. We're sitting across the room from each other. The boys are sitting next to me on the couch, and they're giggling. <laughs> Because we were, we were out doing. And my mom looks over at her son and says, what did you do? <laughs> to which I replied, nothing. <laughs> my dad walks in the room, sits down. My mom, I'm 14 again, okay? That's what's going on. My mom looks at my dad and goes, they have been doing something. At this point, the two boys both look at me. And dad looks at me and, <laughs> and, and says these words, which he has said a thousand times, whatever you did, how much is it going to cost me? <laughs> He's 77 years old. It doesn't change, okay? You're still their parents, which means you still have an obligation to teach them godly ways even as you get older. That's the stewardship aspect of our lives. You are still their parents or grandparents. You still have a responsibility. And listen, here's the other thing that God says to me in a practical way. Am I pastoring you guys? Am I stewarding you guys? You guys are a gift to us. I know that. We cherish you. You guys are a gift to us. Am I pastoring you well? Are we pastoring you well? Those are the questions that I'm going to stand before God. There's going to be an accounting of that in the community. Am I pastoring the community well? Because it's our church, but it's also them and my possessions. Am I pastoring? Am I honoring? Am I serving God? Am I stewarding what he has given me well? This is the question of today. What am I doing with the investment that God has given me? And notice here, God is not talking through Jesus just to leaders. He is talking to who? Who is Jesus talking to? Everyone. If you are a Christ follower, he's talking to you. What have you done with what I've given you? Now listen, I'm going to get real personal with you guys, which is how we roll around here. We're all about authenticity. And uh, those of you that have been at church here for our whole time, remember early on, like the first two years that I was a pastor, I would constantly use stories about my family, but I would never ask them first. There are scars on my body from this time. <laughs> we had a family meeting that said, hey, dad, hey, honey, before you say anything anymore, make sure you clear it with us. So last night, I knew I was going to try to, I worked Miles into this sermon because it's just a great illustration. And so I went out to find Miles to make sure he was cool with me using him as an illustration today. He was on patrol. He had a gun and a taser. So I knew as I prepared to ask him these questions a lot of responses could happen. <laughs> but anyway, Miles is clear this, so I just want you guys to know up front, Miles is completely aware of what we're about to talk about. When Miles was in first grade, he was diagnosed with, with dyslexia, severe dyslexia. The, one of his teachers, and God bless teachers, recognized that, that he was having challenges, and, and they began to run tests on him and discovered that he has a severe form of dyslexia, which means school is very hard for him. Reading is almost next to impossible for him. It's a, it's a lot of work. So right off the bat, here's this little six-year-old that's having to figure out. It's all, he's already got challenges he's got to deal with. And so his whole life, scholastically, has been a struggle for him. Here's the other thing. Miles has a very high IQ, 
which sometimes makes it harder because he's smart, but he can't figure out why he can't figure it out. And that's hard for him. And so we walked him through that. And then when he was here in our school district, our school district was so amazing to help him and work with him. And, and, and so, so he gets done with school and he gets done with high school. And he says, you know what, mom and dad, now I want to be a firefighter EMT. And that's awesome. So he's now going to go off to college, okay? He's going to go off to school, and he's going to at a very high level. And it's not like he just wants to do anything. He wants to be a firefighter EMT. In other words, if he makes mistakes, what happens? People can die. So they're serious. So now he's taking all these medical courses and learning all this terminology, and he has dyslexia, and he struggled. He struggled. And so we would have conversations about this. And, and, and here's what happened. As he got into his second year of school, as he got close to graduation, he was having to retake classes. He was stretching it all out. And, and I remember Trish and I were talking about this, and we just prayed and struggled with this. And, and so here's, here's what we decided to do. As parents, we were going to be just super involved. So here's what happened. I started calling Miles, not just sometimes once a day, twice a day. Did you go to class? Did you talk to your tutors? Did you get the help that you needed? How's your homework going? And it was day in and day out, and the pressure on him started building. And it became really hard for him. And our relationship began to become really, really strained. And I'll never forget the phone call one day as I called him and I was talking to him. And out of complete exasperation and frustration, my son, whom I love, says to me over the phone, Dad, I just feel like an investment to you. I just feel like all I am to you is an investment. And it broke my heart. It broke our hearts. Because here he is struggling. And here's what I began to understand is that he is my son and I love him dearly. But now I had to make a choice because what he was saying was back off. Just leave me alone. And Trish and I sat down and prayerfully and tearfully prayed about, Lord, what should we do? Do we back up or do we press in? And we made one of the hardest decisions as parents we ever made, and it was this. We were going to press in. And I said to my son, even if you end up just hating my guts through this process, we're getting you through. And here's why. Because I believe in you. Your mom and I believe in you. And you are more than investment to us, but here's the point that I want you to hear. Sometimes we misunderstand God. We misunderstand him as he pushes us. We misunderstand the fact that God sometimes disciplines us because the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. Why? Because God sees our potential. He sees who we can be. And he realizes if he doesn't push us, we won't change. And we will settle in our lives. And listen to me, folks. This is the big point today. Jesus did not die so that you could live a mediocre life. He died so that you could live a life abundantly to the full. And sometimes that means he's going to make you uncomfortable to grow you up. And it's going to hurt. And you might be mad at him and you might misunderstand him. 
But can I tell you something? We sing that song that God is a good, good father, and he is. And so he's going to love you through stuff even when you don't understand sometimes what you're going through. It's the truth because he loves you. And let me tell you why this is so important. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Here's what it says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? Let's get this next sentence. You are not your own. You were bought at a what? Price. We are free because God gave everything for us. He invested the life of his son The greatest thing that he had was his son, and he invested the life of his son in you and I. Therefore, there is an expectation that when he invests in us, that we give him a return that is worthy of that investment. That is the truth. That is the truth. God has given everything to us. The Bible tells us that he's given us everything according to life and godliness. He's given us everything. And now there's an expectation that we will do something with the life that he has given us. Every piece of it. Now listen, I'm not talking this morning to people that have not received Christ. I'm talking to Christ followers. I'm talking to people that have received salvation. And listen, I don't want you to misunderstand today. You cannot earn salvation. Salvation, the Bible tells us, is a free gift. But once you have received the free gift that God has given us, there's an expectation now that you're going to be different, that you're going to mature, that you're going to grow, that you're going to take that investment, whether it's one bag of gold, two bags of gold, ten bags of gold, or a thousand bags of gold, is not important. Are you going to take what God has done in your life and turn around and say, God, I'm giving it back to you, and I'm going to invest it so that my life matters for you, so that my life matters with you? So how do we do that practically? What does that look like? Just two things I'm going to cover here, just two. How you view God, look at number one on your notes. How you view God will determine how you invest what he has entrusted to you. Matthew 25, 24, we see where the one servant said he saw Jesus, he saw the master as a hard man. He saw him as someone he couldn't please, maybe somebody that he thought might be unfair. He was thinking, you know what, this, he's a hard man. I fear him, therefore I'm going to bury this and do nothing with it. And yet the other two recognize, I've been given a lot, therefore I must give a lot. And a lot of it has to do with having a heart of thankfulness. You know, I woke up this morning, I was just thanking God for my family. I was thanking God for you guys. I'm not making this stuff up. Guys, I could care less about making stuff up. I'm just being honest with you because I want you to understand, I don't deserve how good God has been to me. I don't deserve her. And I don't know what you did to deserve me, but I'm sorry. (laughs) Clint said, amen. (laughs) But you know what? I don't. I don't deserve the blessings that God has given me. I don't deserve you guys, some of you more than others. (laughs) But you know what? I don't. We got an awesome church. We brag on you guys everywhere we go because you're incredible. And you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're awesome. 
Turn, turn to your other neighbor and say, I know, right? <laughs> but you are. But you are. But I don't deserve this. We don't deserve you guys. I haven't done anything to deserve any good thing God has done for me. You know what the Bible says? We are all worthy of judgment. None of us are good, the Bible says. None of us, not one. And yet God in his mercy sent his son to take my place and your place. And now God says, now that I have done that, what are you going to do with what I've given you? Do, you? do you look at your life in such a way that I'm a steward of what God has given me? Or am I the owner and I can just do whatever I want to do? Guys, that's going to change. You're going to stand before him one of these days. And I hope you are looking forward to that moment where you can say, God, I messed some stuff up. But you know what? I did the best I could and here's what I did. And you know what I hope to think? Here's what I think. How many of you remember when your kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews were little and they would come home from school and they've made something in the class and then they gave it to you and they were so excited? And you look at it and you're like, that is the most beautiful whatever that is ever. What, what is it? Oh, it's a rocket ship. Oh, I thought it was a straight line. That's beautiful. But then you take that and you put it on the refrigerator because they did the best they could. And they're so proud of what they did. God doesn't need us to do anything, but he wants us to. And our job is just to give him everything we've got and do our absolute best. And I believe there's a refrigerator in heaven with my picture on it. And I believe there's one with you, you too. And we give him everything we've got, not out of fear, because God, I just did my best. I'm sorry I messed some stuff up, but I wanted you to be glorified, and here's my life. And when I stand over here before I preach to you guys or over there or down there, what I'm doing is saying, God, everything I've got is yours. Use me today to touch somebody's life, because it's not me. But God, here I am, and if you can use me to help them, here I am. And that's what you need to do. It's not a pastor thing. It's a Christian thing. God, when I leave this place, use me out there. Help me love my family, because that's your first ministry. Help me love my friends, people that you've put in my life, many voluntarily. Help me with the people that you've surrounded me with at work. When you change the way you think and you begin to see the people around you as people that God has trusted you, remember he said he gave to each one as much as they could handle? The reason the people are in your life is that God wants you to be there with them. And instead of looking at them as a mess, maybe look at them as a mission field. You don't have to go to Africa to reach people. Minister to your kids. My first ministry is these guys. And if I'm the best pastor ever, but I lose my family, I have failed. My first ministry. Your first ministry is your family. And then the people that you work with or you go to school with, the people that God has put around your life, he's done that on purpose, guys. And he's given you influence to be able to reach them. And sometimes he wants you to use words, but most of the time he just wants you to be who he's created you to be as a child of God. And love him and love people. And that is the truth. Here's the second thing that, that God wants us to know. God will entrust to you what he knows you can handle. God will entrust to you 
what he knows you can handle. And that's what you need to look at in your life. You need to realize that God has you where you are, and he's preparing you to do something else probably, but here's the deal. That will happen, that will happen as you show yourself faithful with what he's given you. And notice what he said. He said, hey, you invested wisely what I've given you. Now, because you were faithful with this little bit, I'm going to give you more. But here's the, here's the flip side of that. If you're not faithful with this, don't expect him to give you more because you'll mess it up. Right? There's a reason we learn to ride bicycles before we get cars. Amen? If y'all don't understand that, I, don't, I cannot help you. <laughs> right? You got to learn to ride a bike before you can drive a car. And that's why God's teaching us, be faithful here. Because some of you are wondering, why haven't I been promoted? Why hasn't this happened yet? Why hasn't God given me more? My answer to you would be this, how are you managing what God has given you? One of the reasons we're offering this financial peace class is because we want to train you to biblically understand how do you manage your money. And there's almost, what, 50, 60 people, whatever it is, that are signed up for that class. That's for our church, and we'll offer more of this. Why? Because we want to be a practical church that helps you biblically manage every area of your life. We want you to be a good steward with what God has given you. And once you learn to manage that well, he'll give you more. And some of the reason that you're struggling is because you don't know how to do it. And we're going to show you how to do it. It's the same way in being a parent. It's the same way in being a husband, mom, dad. It's the same way in all these things. God has a way of doing these things, but we have to cooperate with him. And he will give us things that we can handle. That's the way he works. I'm going to close with this. How many of you have ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? Can I see your hands? I've only watched it a couple of times. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I actually own it. But I've only watched it a couple of times. And the reason that I've only watched it a couple of times is emotionally hard for me to watch. I know we have some veterans in the room that have seen combat and some hard things. And, and it's hard for you to watch. Maybe some of you haven't gone because you, it brings up memories that are hard for you. But it's probably the best movie ever made that shows the sacrifice of people for us. And I'll never forget Trish and I at the movie theater when it first came out, and we went in, and the theater was absolutely packed. There were hundreds of people in the theater, and it's the only time, the first time, the second time was The Passion of the Christ, but it's the, the first movie that I'd ever gone to that when it was over, no one moved for a long time. No one got up. Hundreds of people. No one moved around. But I do remember hearing crying. People that were so moved by the sacrifices that they just sat there. And I remember the reports of people saying, a grandmother saying about the, her, her husband, of now I understand a little bit of what he experienced, or an aunt or uncle, that the trauma that these people experienced on our behalf. The movie is about a young man whose brothers have been killed. All of his brothers were in the service and had been killed in just a few days' time. He's the last living heir. The concept came from the Civil War. This actually happened in the Civil War where there was a family that all the brothers except one had been killed in battle. And there was this one son left. And so they sent soldiers out to get him and bring him back. That was the Civil War. They were recreating that. In Saving Private Ryan, where this young man, I think he had three or four brothers, all of them had been killed in just a few days. And it's D-Day, 
and, and this young man is alive, they think, and he, but he's in the airborne, and so he's many miles behind enemy lines, and they're not even sure where he is. So they send a squad of soldiers to go find him and bring him back because he's the last living heir of the family. And in the course of the movie, all of the squad of soldiers dies except for two men trying to rescue this one. And the, one of the final scenes in the movie is, is Tom Hanks, who's playing the captain of these soldiers, who's laying down and who's been mortally wounded and he's dying. And the soldier they've, been rescued, they've rescued, he comes over to him and he kneels down beside him. And he can barely speak because it's his final words. And he leans his ear down to his voice and this is what the character says to him. Earn it. Earn it. Because of what's been paid for you, earn it. And when I think of this, I think of that. Because of what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus has done for you, we owe him everything. And we need to live our lives in such a way that we earn that. We can't earn salvation but we can sure give him the back the best that we can be. Invest our lives so that when we stand before him, we go, God, I gave everything I had. Everything I had. I want us to take a moment and pray. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come forward. Here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to do it, this traditional altar call. I don't even know what that word means. I'm just going to say, I just want you guys to take a moment and not worry about anybody around you, but I really want you just to reflect on your life for a moment, and I want you to think about, am I living my life as an owner, or am I living my life as a steward of what God has given me? Am I? How am I living my life? And listen, if you've been around this church for any amount of time, you know this. There's no condemnation here. God's not mad at you, and I'm not either. But just like Trish and I had to deal with Miles that day and talk to him and be real and push him because of his amazing potential, today is that day for you. Or maybe God's speaking to you in such a way that you begin to understand that, am I living my life as an owner or a steward? And here's the deal. There's no condemnation of that, but you just need to understand. My life is a gift from God. Everything I've been given is a gift from him. Am I living my life in such a way that it brings honor to him? Or am I living for myself? Am I living for myself? Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Ask yourself that question. In light of God's mercy, And in light of the sacrifice of Jesus, am I living for myself 
or am I being a steward of what God has given me? If today you want to make that decision to really give everything over to him, maybe this is the first time you've understood it, and that's okay, that's great. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs everything. If you're ready to go all in with God, if you're ready to give him everything and say, Lord, I want to live my life in such a way that it brings honor to you. I'm talking to Christians now. If you're at that place where you're ready to do that, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be that person. Amen. 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 See your hands. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. It's what God has called us to. Put your hands down. It's not a thing, guys. It's the thing. Because I don't know about you, but I want to stand before him one day and say, Lord, I did the best I could for you. Tried to be the best husband I could be, the best father I could be, the best pastor I could be, Lord, the best friend I could be. Lord, I, I wanted to live my life in such a way that it brought honor to you. Lord, we receive that today. For those that raise their hands, Father, I believe in an act of faith. They've raised their hand today because they want to be that person. For those that didn't raise their hand but want that, Lord, I just pray that you would help them. And let's just all pray this together. Let's just all pray this together. Lord Jesus, you know my heart. Thank you for loving me. Help me live my life in such a way that it brings honor to you. And I honor the investment that you've placed in me so that you would be glorified in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all look up at me for a second. Notice the words that Jesus said to the first two people when he talked to them about their investment. You know what he said? He said, good job. Now enter into my joy. He didn't say your joy. Enter into my joy. Now listen, I can't tell you what that looks like, but I bet Jesus' joy is awesome. And he said, because of the way you've invested your life, Now you're going to get to experience the kind of joy I did. And I think that has something to do with the same kind of joy that that when he rose from the dead now that the world could be saved. What kind of joy must that have been to him to fulfill what God had called him to do? And we are, when we are faithful, we get to experience that joy with him because we are a part of that mission. A life worth living. This is what Jesus said. I've come to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and to give you a life to the full and overflowing. And another version says to give you a life worth living. That's what I want. A life worth living. Amen? Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, you guys all stand. The prayer partners are down at the front. Now, Wes is going to close us out. Trish and I are going to go to the front. But here's what I want you to do. If you've got to pray about anything, it could be sickness, 
It could be a friend. It could be a kid. It could be It doesn't matter. Whatever you've got going on you want to pray about, it could be about what we've just talked about. These guys and ladies are going to be at the front. And I want you to take advantage of the fact they're here. I trust these people. Trish and I trust these people. You can trust them. And they're going to come down and they're going to pray with you. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Well, no, I'm going to let you do it, Wes. Wes is going to close us out. Then those of you who want to, you can go. And then any of you want to come pray, they'll be up here, okay? God bless you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the, for the other opportunity, God, that you've given us to come into your house. God, and just be able to, get, to praise your name, God, and, and to be able to hear your message. I pray that, that as, we, uh, as we leave today, God, that you would, you would take what was said, God, and burn that into our hearts, God, that we may be good stewards, God, for your name, God, that, that what we do in life would, would bring honor and glory to you. Lord, as we leave, I pray that you would bless each and every one here, God, that, that as we, uh, we leave today, God, that, uh, uh, that we'd be able to bring you with us, God, into our work and, and throughout our lives, and uh, that you would meet us here again. Lord, in your holy name we pray. Amen.